0: Hello, and welcome to the Build with Clay podcast. I am your host, Clay Davis. This podcast is designed to introduce you to people from across the world who have one thing in common. They want to grow in their life and inspire others. You'll get a front row seat to hear about how they define their mindset and their purpose. We'll unearth their habits, their failures, and learnings throughout their journey. And this will allow you to take those habits those failures, and those learnings, and apply them to your personal growth journey, no matter where you're trying to build yourself and grow. This podcast is designed for you, so thank you for being here. Prepare to meet interesting people, hear fun stories, learn something new, and plan to leave inspired. John Karsibayev is a technology executive who has led IT teams for Fortune 500 companies. He is currently a co-founder and CIO at MyBasePay and the host of the Ivy podcast. John is an alumni of the University of Montana, Nova Southeastern University, and the Harvard Business School. John has co-founded, launched, successfully sold, as well as successfully failed several startups. He's an angel investor and sits on the boards of several tech startups. He loves teaching, angel investing, growth hacking, and fundraising for startups. Fundraising is one of John's strengths and passions. Cumulatively, he has successfully raised close to $70 million for the startups he has launched or advised on. In this episode, we talk about how to build a legacy, why discomfort is okay, and how companies need to radically change their hiring process or be left behind. Enjoy! Super excited to have John Karsibayev on the podcast today. John embodies an entrepreneurial spirit. He's kind, he cares about the success of those around him, and I'm really proud to have him on the podcast and to call him a friend. So John, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thanks so much, Clay. I really appreciate it. Uh, Brings me back to the memories where you came on my podcast and all of the great conversations that we've had since then. So I, I was definitely looking forward to this.
0: Man, it's gonna be fun. Well, uh, for to let everyone get to know you a little bit more, I've got some fun little hypotheticals here. So uh, you haven't seen these yet, so I'm gonna throw some at you. Let's do it. Would you? We'll start easy. Would you
1: rather play checkers or chess? Definitely, chess is something I grew up on playing. Uh, my dad was big on that. Uh, at the beginning, I didn't quite understood it, but uh, with time, definitely grew on me and I'm actually doing that on my son these days. And he's so much into that. So definitely, uh, definitely chess guy.
0: Who wins more often?
1: I want to say me, but, uh, he's definitely getting up there.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I started thinking about that with, uh, with my, I know we both have young kids and, uh, at one, at some point they're going to be faster than us. They're going to be smarter than us. They're going to outmaneuver us. So, uh, enjoy it while it lasts. It's coming. It's certainly coming. All right. Would you rather give up social media or give up movies?
1: Well, social media, hands down over anything. This thing is just, I don't know. It's super addicting and super toxic at the same time. I uninstalled all of social media apps so many times, but somehow they make it way back into my phone. Uh, so definitely that's an easy one for me.
0: There you go. Any favorite movies that come to mind?
1: movies well the latest one we've seen the latest batman that was that was pretty pretty awesome it was it was very long but it was super definitely worth it
0: yeah the dark knight was one of my favorites yeah and uh so i haven't seen the one that's with robert pattinson
1: right yes sir It wasn't as good but it was up there it was okay it was definitely uh give it give it runs for his money
0: all right all right last one would you rather meditate or do physical exercise
1: so I've, you know, I, I've been into sports all my life. Uh, even now, physical activity has been a priority up until now, I want to say. But as, you know, as we get older and we, I guess, get a little bit uh wiser, I've been investing a lot into mental health and a lot of that great stuff. So I think, you, you know, in this kind of juncture, I would definitely meditation. A lot of those things matter. I'm experimenting a lot it's new space for me. My wife's super into that. So she's slowly trying to convert me, but I'm definitely, uh, I'm definitely digging that.
0: What's one of the examples that you're trying out?
1: Um, well, I think just, there's a lot of different techniques. Um, I think just, I'm starting very slow. I'm, I'm not trying to go cold Turkey and just completely start some apps and all of those things i um, just trying to read up a lot on that uh, latest one I've read. I can't remember the author, but I'll send it to you. It's called the the mental toughness uh, playbook. So I thought that was pretty cool. There's a lot of different exercises that they, the guy highlights in that. So a lot of different experimentation.
0: I think I would pick physical exercise if I had to choose between the two, but I've been, same with you, trying to toy with meditation. And I, th- I think it comes in many forms, as you said, John. <laughs> and uh, I don't I don't think it has to be one thing. But I think it's super important on the mental side, and yeah, I'd be curious how your journey plays out over time with it because I, th- I think it's really interesting. Have your
1: kids shown any interest in it? <laughs> no, not whatsoever. Uh, it's, uh, it's it's definitely haven't haven't had the opportunity to introduce them to that just yet.
0: Yeah, well, they got a lot going on, and uh, they probably don't want to slow down yet.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm sure you know exactly how it is with your small kids. <laughs>
0: For sure. For sure. Well, um, awesome. Well, John, I appreciate you being willing to answer some of those questions. I've got two other ones that I ask every guest. So Mm -hmm. one, I'd love to hear how you would define a growth mindset.
1: So great question. I I think about that a lot personally. It's for me, continuous, just continuous learning. Uh, There's never an end. I think it's it's a process. It's the journey, uh, just kind of like what you've you've mentioned as part of the question, um, and that growth mindset is just being able to expose yourself to a lot of new new experiences as well. For me, it's something that has been a challenge, but I've been trying to push myself in that direction, uh, so that I'm not just one dimensional. That I do have an opportunity to expose myself to completely something out of my comfort zone. And I know it's easier said than done, but a lot of things that I do even outside of work, um, I try to get to a point where I am feeling uncomfortable and in the moment try to recognize that, that I am uncomfortable. This is definitely not my comfort zone, but that's when I know that I'm, I'm learning. I know that I'm growing and that's kind of, you know, part of that. Growth mindset formula that I subscribe to. So it's it's just something that's it's a interesting question because I I do that on a daily basis, maybe even on an hourly basis. Things that I even design my daily routine to be able to to learn and at the same time put yourself in a, in a situation where you know you can you can you can pay that forward as well, which only reinforces the new learnings. So that's that's just kind of my two cents into the into my personal growth mindset formula so to say
0: yeah discomfort is okay I think that it's probably where you land there and um is there any like specific example that you would give that you talked about how you actively design your day or your week around learning new things and being uncomfortable what's an example of how you do that
1: yeah for sure um so The wake-up schedule for me has been very interesting. I've experimented a lot, what works, what doesn't. um, And really just, it was uncomfortable at the beginning, but just forcing myself with three small kids, I'm sure you know exactly how it is, but for me to be able to design that schedule, which allows for my personal, you know, so to say, quiet time, so which really forced me to design my sleep schedule so that i wake up between 5 and 530 and be very disciplined to dedicate that next hour, hour and a half to that personal development, whether that I'm trying to do some mental work, mental toughness work practices and things like that, or just straight reading or, you know, things that I may not necessarily be able to do throughout the day with everything that goes on. So that was just one of the personal hacks that uh, really, you know, I, I love that. I love it these days. I actually look forward to the morning. Um, and then also just fitting into the just daily exercise um, so that it's it's very diverse from a perspective of what types of exercising and things like that, but also trying to combine. I listen to a lot of podcasts, just ton of them consume, and I save them on my iWatch. And um, whenever I go for either for a run or workout, that's that's what's in the in headphones.
0: Yeah, man, I've, I've experimented too with the, the early rising because, yeah, when you got kids in the house – and there's not a lot of quiet. So (laughs) in order to find the quiet, it's either going to be late at night or early in the morning. So I love that you jumpstart your day and that you've, it sounds like you've remained pretty consistent on it. And I, it sounds like that you're not, it's not like you're getting up and, you know, scrolling through Instagram or doing email or (laughs) any of that. You're like really dedicating that time for yourself.
1: Yeah, because it's a discipline, right? At the beginning, I would catch myself on the phone and I'm like, I would get frustrated. I'm like, dude, just wasted like 15, 20 minutes scrolling through some nonsense and just reminding yourself every morning whenever you get up is that my that window is limited. And then if I really want to scroll through whatever IG or whatever else, you know, social news, you know, the news and all that stuff, I can do that later uh, but this this is like an investment into my personal development that growth mindset that you talked about earlier on
0: Well that parallels into the second question I ask every guest is how would you define your purpose or your why in your life?
1: Wow that's a yeah that's a good one and it it's it's another personal question that I at least I try to ask myself from a standpoint of, where I'm at today, why am I doing some of the things and try to reflect on what is it that matters to me? And am I enjoying this, what I'm doing on a daily basis? And at the end of the day, what am I doing it for? And to me, it's a combination of things that, um, you know, and of course, of course, family matters. It's, it's you know, it's a priority for number one, for I think for all of us, it goes without saying that previously in the past few years it was all about just maximizing my early earning potential and just investing as much as possible and things like that personal growth investing into myself that that has been super important but lately i've been also thinking a lot about that generational wealth so to say what is it that i'm doing that i'm leaving behind Uh, not only for my kids but other generations you know other you know just that legacy i know it sounds probably you you know a little weird even when i talk about it to myself uh, but at the end of the day it's for me has been part of that purpose formula so to say that anything that i take on is it something that you know my kids are going to be very proud of that when i'm no longer around that i've, I've done something that i've built something um, or something that maybe my parents haven't You know experienced and they've done you know for all of us for all of our parents for and am i in a position to be able to give that to them you know through this juncture so a lot of the things in terms of the purposes really also boils down to what is the legacy what am i leaving behind those are generational things or am i doing something that's you know at the end of the day renting out my time so that's just you know very loaded answer to uh to to a loaded question (laughs)
0: Hey, yeah, it's a deep one. It it can go a lot of different directions and I'm glad to hear you talk it out. I mean, the, I love thinking about how do you leave a legacy and not only a legacy for your kids, but for their kids and their kids. And that takes some very intentional work by you to look at opportunities, because I know that through all the work that you have put in over the last few decades is that you are presented with opportunities all the time. And how do you then go about evaluating those opportunities? How do you evaluate an opportunity and what question do you ask yourself about an opportunity to know that it it will make a generational impact?
1: That's a really good one. And I, I fail at times to do that, to, to ask myself that. Um, but at the end of the day, it's also try to, try to, trying to visualize what's the, the outcome. Out of that, at the end of the day, am I going to be in a situation where I'm going to be asking or, or saying coulda, woulda, shoulda, or is this an opportunity that even you know, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, that it's still legit, that I know a lot of factors that impact some of the things that may be out of our control. But at least at the moment, the intent is to get yourself engaged into something that's you know, really meaningful at the same time, you know, it's has potential for great returns. And is that something that will, you know, positively impact the future and the lives of, you know, my family, my kids and things like that? I know you and I've, you know, we're both invest like into real estate. For me, that's, you know, it's huge. I, I, I personally love that space. I, we can probably talk about that the rest of the podcast, uh, but I just wanted to bring that up because I know it's a it's a mutual thing for for both you and I. We've talked about this, and there's a lot of opportunity there to to get yourself exposed to different opportunities, uh, like in real estate investing and things like that. So it's uh, could definitely. Teach the next generations so of you know business ownership, business operations, and just in just simple work ethic. Uh, that's uh, those are just kind of some of the examples from that perspective.
0: Yeah, and on the on the real estate front, you know, thinking about a legacy, you know, because I I think it would be great to leave that type of legacy. And with real estate, I mean, you could have something as simple as a single family home that you rent out, and then when kids get to a certain age, I would love to be able to turn not the house over, but the management and the finances of the house over to, you know, my son Mm -hmm. to say, Hey, this is a great way to learn about people, about operations, about working with others, about dealing with problems, about finances, taxes. I mean, all of those things, you start operating, even just a single one family home, you can learn a lot and, and that can make an impact going forward. And then, you know, maybe over time they, they earn the deed over time over the over the life of of working on uh you know learning those things i don't know if that, if you've thought about that at all with your kids
1: oh yeah dude you nailed it you just took the words out of my mouth it's part of the reason why you know i'm so active in real estate space that is for exact those reasons because you can really, literally take that and just say hey here's an opportunity to learn here's an opportunity to experience those things and make mistakes uh and then as 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 you get comfortable with that then kind of just pass it on and, and let them run with it.
0: It provides a lot of opportunities, but it takes a lot of, uh, you know, I know you're doing a lot right now. You're taking on a lot of projects and you've done that in the past, but it seemed like in your answer that it, it sounds like you're starting to say no more than you have in the past.
1: Oh, 1000%. It's previously, I want to say 10 years ago, it was all just taken on as, as much as possible. Uh, but these days it's all about what are some of the things that, I, you know, not necessarily looking for reasons to say no, uh, but with so many opportunities in front of me, I think it's, it's just easy to get consumed by and gets, you know, get all over the place, so to say, be, be that jack of all trades, you know, master of none. Um, but at the same time, you know, just being very selective in terms of what is it that I, I personally enjoy and is that something that, that really going to make an impact down the road? Those are some of the things that, are, you know, those are it's, it's very hard to make that decision as well, because everything seems, you know, so awesome. And you have the FOMO and you don't want to get left behind. But at the same time, you also got to understand that some other things that you have taken on, may, you know, may may suffer in quality if you stretch yourself to things. So it's a constant battle.
0: Yeah and for someone like you who has built a fantastic network thanks to the work ethic you've had the the relationships you've built and continue to maintain that's why a lot of these opportunities come your way because you know so many people enjoy working with you they enjoy your work ethic the the, the brains and experience that you bring that has to be really hard to like how do you go about saying no to people that you've built all this trust all this relationship with And they bring you this opportunity, thinking, "Oh man, John's going to definitely say yes, and we're going to go do this together. We're going to get an investment." And you say no. How do you balance that, knowing that that could affect the relationship or or affect future opportunities?
1: Yeah, and it's tough, Um, and it's a it's a muscle that you have to you you have to train. These days, especially both you and I, we get exposed to opportunities left and right, and some are exceptional opportunities. But if it doesn't fit my personal Investment thesis, so to say, what I'm what me as a, you know, where I'm at currently in this juncture all about uh, that, I think is just be very comfortable being uncomfortable. So a lot of those things just boil down to also, you know, being very transparent and very honest. Look, it's a, it's an exceptional opportunity, but just it's not for me at the moment. But, you know, here's some of the things that I can do to help you further. Here's the potential introductions to other folks who may be interested in this or, you know, it's, it's not just call straight no um, because what you've mentioned is spot on. You and I both operate the same way. We invest so much into our network, whether that's personal network or professional network, and we invest a lot into those relationships. And those relationships matter. That's why we get exposed to so many opportunities. But not everything is for us. So that's that's kind of boils down to you know continue developing, not tarnish those relationships, and at the same time say no, but also try to identify opportunities to help further.
0: Yeah. I love what you said around saying no and not making it just no. And that's it. It's no, but Hey, here's, here's someone that I think would be a great fit. Mm -hmm. And then you're providing opportunity for others, which naturally one expands your own network, but also you're, you know, lending a hand, you're, uh, you're linking two groups of people that probably would never have linked together. And I think that's a really powerful thing too.
1: Yeah, because you know it worked for me so so many times. It continues to work, and at the end of the day, if you really want something, uh, you know I, I'm a strong believer that you you know things will things will come together to to make that happen. And it's just exposing yourself to those opportunities if that's something what uh, you you really want to. We've
0: gone this far without really talking about your own journey, right? Like, how why are you getting exposed to these opportunities? What are some of the opportunities? that you've taken on and that you that you're passionate about. So how would you describe this is a big question, but how would you describe your journey to date?
1: Great question, Clay. And it's um, and I, you know, I know you cover that a lot, especially in your newsletter, which which I which I read. I think it's it's an exceptional tool that you put out there. Some of your personal experiences, your personal knowledge out there. Um, and that's something within those lines, you know, in the sense its journey has been all about me personally uh up until you know the last few years where where i've tried to get myself exposed to you know different mentors different leaders who you know whom i could definitely succeed under and those who you know i've had some exceptional leaders that you know i've worked for but i also had probably more the, um, you know, really bad ones along the way. And that was a great experience as well. And I know there is a reason for that, but also it really taught me something that, you know, those are some of the qualities that I don't want to develop or I don't want to operate under. So it was definitely a great experience to get that share of really bad leadership, really bad man- management. And I, you know, it still happens even even to this to this day. But the journey has has always been that self discovery. Just working in the corporate sector, and I've had my great share of you know just being very entrepreneurial in mind. It's it's always top of my mind in terms of what is the next opportunity, what is the next juncture, and just building startups. I've had you know I successfully failed more startups than I had success, successful actual outcomes. So I I view that as, you know, exceptional learning experiences that really had allowed me to build up to some of the ones where I've had decent share of uh, success and just, just going out there and, you know, building and figuring things out on the fly without procrastinating too much. I've noticed that's how, you know, it worked well for me in the past. And even to this date, some of the, you know, exceptional opportunities were the ones that I just relied on like that feeling and said. You know, some of those things definitely feel right. I'm going to get involved uh, versus just doing, you know, kind of just death by analysis, so to say. So the past definitely 10 years or so, it's all been very entrepreneurial, just building technology startups in that space and also just, you know, dabbing into real estate on the side. That's, that's kind of been the, the journey so far. And these days, it's all about... Paying it forward, paying it back. Almost some of the things that's worked for me, some of the network that I've built, and helping help, helping others along the way, um, I find a lot of a lot of joy in that. And I know that when you help others, I've noticed that it also just exposes, at least myself, to a, a lot of new other opportunities.
0: The helping others thing, I've seen it firsthand w- w- between me and you. Uh, you know, you've you've been super helpful to me in a number of areas and providing guidance and and opportunities and it just goes to show that opportunities come to people that people enjoy being around. People enjoy working with, like people aren't going to give opportunities or share opportunities to those that you could be the smartest person in the world. But if you know, you're not pleasant to be around, you're probably not going to get a lot of opportunities. So it just goes to show that, you know, you, you pay it forward, pay it back. Like you said, Um, opportunities are eventually going to, going to come your way. So your journey has been, going through the corporate world, the good and the bad that comes with that and the learnings that come with that, good and bad mentors, um, and then really driving that entrepreneurial side of you, um, both personally and professionally. I love the successful failures. I love that. I, I would love to hear, like, what's one of your favorite failures?
1: Uh, favorite failure. Wow. That's a good one. I, I don't know if I have a you know specific one that i've i've learned the most um but I, I could summarize a couple of them where where it definitely really taught me a lot and definitely set up set me up for success where i've completely just dis- discarded the importance and i know right now it seems very obvious in terms of who you decide to partner with who you decide to work with But just taking on that little bit of extra effort to figure out who that potential either co-founder or partner is as a person. Um, A lot of times when we get exposed to these opportunities, we just want to roll up the sleeves and get going and start building stuff. Um, But really just being disciplined in the sense, taking a step back and trying to figure out who, who, who they are as a person, especially when things go sideways, because everyone operates differently under pressure. Um, and when things are great also how do they treat others how do they treat themselves how do they just basically operate I think observing that I've been very negligent of that and that taught me a lot and but at the same time it's just building up that almost patience aspect of myself to be able to say you know I, I really have to invest into that I have to invest into that relationship and Understand how they operate, who they are as a person, and only then try to make that leap from that perspective. Uh, so, I would just say, kind of from from just overall findings, that has been, an, you know, a, a disco- discovery that I even to this date, I, I I try to I try to remember that.
0: A great learning. I had a conversation on one of my episodes with Ryan Armstrong, who I partner with on a number of real estate things we talked about that very thing, John, about just how important it is to really figure out who is the person that you're working with. Not on, not at a professional level, like you're not going to even contemplate something if you don't think you can just work with them on a a normal day-to-day basis. Mm -hmm. It's those really bad days. It's those really tough decisions. It's how does this person work day in and day out? What type of person are they? And we, and it, a lot of it gets to, are your whys aligned? Like, are, are like why you're doing this, why you why do you want to found this company? Why do you want to be a part of this? And if there's not a lot of alignment there, it's it may be okay for a while, but eventually it's it's not going to
1: go well. Mm-hmm. I love that example and, you know, absolutely, especially in real estate there's, you know, there's so many ups and downs. So that definitely makes perfect sense what you're talking about.
0: What's one of your favorite Things I know you have a number of projects going on personally, professionally. So on the professional side, like what's what's got your passion right now?
1: Uh, two things. Uh, it's um, well, the latest project, you know, the latest company, my base bay, is what we've been building for the past couple of years. That's been, a, you know, exciting journey. And what what I've what I really enjoyed about this is really taking all of those learnings from the past, those successful failures that I had. And just taking on, on, on those and applying that in practice and seeing that work the other way, uh, to me, that's been a, just an, a you know, very, very pleasant experience, so to say, just to say, hey, I've done a mistake here. Um, let's not do that and try to implement that as part of this growth team at my base. That's been super interesting. And that it, it continues, continues to evolve as well, where we've been in existence for under three years. And uh, the journey so far has been just a collection of things that I have learned through those failures. Um, so that's been that's been super exciting, and I, I hope to continue that with with uh, on my base, base side. And it's kind of what the you know the catalyst for our you and I friendship, uh, you know, the podcast that I have as well, started out as an experiment and just blossomed into. It was never an intent to build a media company. It kind of just <laughs> morphed into its own the power of a network power of you know relationships and it's just it's exceptional in a way that i get an opportunity to sit down with folks that i never even imagined that i would be able to have that one-on-one conversation and then build that relationship from there and just stay friends and just evolve into something much bigger different opportunities so that's you know even to this day, it just blows my mind where, you know, some of the folks that I talk to on a daily basis is like, wow, just because of, you know, you know, just a microphone and an idea can lead to that. To me, that's, that's been super, super exciting, which I'm sure you're, you're experiencing a lot of that, you know, to, you know, these days with your podcast as well. So those are just some of the two things that I, I definitely want to highlight.
0: Yeah. The podcast front, uh- obviously we're talking on a podcast. So, um, you know, and that's how you and I met and I, yeah, I'm early on in, in the podcast thing. And I just started it as a, you know, let's kind of see what happens. And, um, you know, it's something I enjoy talking to people just like you do learning about others, learning from others. And, you know, just like we're doing here on this podcast and who knows where it'll go, but I love that yours has gone on for so long. I mean, ha- how long have you been doing it?
1: little over two years and we're close to 400 episodes um, and it has a full, you know, just team dedicated to that now from editors to marketers to all of that. And I just remember like yourself when I was just starting out, I had the same thoughts. I was like, I don't know where that's going to go. You know, at, at the least I'll just get to meet some awesome folks. So I didn't have any expectations. I didn't have any plans. I, it wasn't an idea like, oh, we're going to monetize. We're going to do all this. We're going to build a team around this. Uh, it was just simple. Let me just meet some awesome folks whom I want to learn from, and I think that's that's why a lot of things that actually do work out when you don't have those grand visions, when you don't have those grand expectations. Where do you want it to go from here? I definitely want it to be a platform for you know for anyone to be able to connect and build relationships with those whom they definitely look up, you know, look up to. Um, I want to, you know, to also to share those experiences through building, you know, not only podcasts, but, you know, my base pay as well and just take some of those learnings and just be very public about it so that anybody else who is encountering or embarking on a similar journey from an entrepreneur perspective, take some of those learnings and just basically not not only learn from them, but amplify and just say, here's some of the things that I want to double down on. And build something much bigger. Uh, to me, that's kind of the next level. That's you know, if that happens, that's definitely an indicator for me that we are leveling up.
0: Yeah, I think being vulnerable about that stuff because you're in a unique position where you have a literal microphone, mm-hmm. but you're also you also have the ability to you know try to build things, learn, fail, learn again. Um, and hopefully eventually succeed. And if you can combine those two, I think that's a that's awesome. It, it reminds me of a podcast. I think it was called Startup, I think. Okay. I'll, I'll validate this and put it in the show notes for this one. But it was basically this guy who was starting a podcast uh, company, and he had a microphone with him basically 24-7 and recorded every meeting he had, every conversation he had with potential investors, potential business partners, his wife, like... All these things and basically his podcast was all these recordings of all the good, the bad, and the ugly that went along with trying to get this jump started and working with venture capitalists and all these things. And it was just fascinating because you usually only see the end product. And so to be able to see all the trials and tribulations along the way was really, really neat. And it sounds like that. Obviously, you've been working on My Base Pay and your podcast for a number of years, but to be able to be a little bit vulnerable and, and talk about some of the challenges that you see and, and, and learnings you've had and be able to share those. I think that's awesome, John.
1: That's awesome example that you've provided. I definitely, uh, if you find it, let me know. I would love to listen to that.
0: For the listeners explain my base pay.
1: So it's an employee of record platform, um, for the staffing and recruiting industry where we are the kind of the back office provider, for any company that deploys workers onto different either assignments or job opportunities. And we take on all of the, from candidate onboarding to benefits processing, timesheet collections. Um, And on the agency side for the staffing company, one of the biggest benefits is the the payroll funding that we, we do pay upfront. So a lot of that has been built in a single platform.
0: And you're in such an interesting space in the hiring space given what has gone on the last couple of years. So I mean, the Great Recession, COVID, hiring, people moving everywhere. It's it has to be wild right now.
1: Yeah. Wild is definitely an understatement. We've all seen where the just the talent market has been and where it's going. It's definitely talent led um, conditions out there, environment just overall. And so many opportunities out there and organizations that are really succeeding in the, you know, in this space are those that are very nimble. Those that recognize those opportunities and capitalize on them, Um, just, you know, providing those opportunities for candidates. And that's what attracts and that's what retains the talent. Um, I, I talk to, you know, leaders of organizations of various size, you know, on, on, almost on a daily basis. And it's, um, it's definitely exciting times for the candidates, for, for workers just overall to experience that, to go through that and explore what are the different opportunities out there. Um, so it's, it's, definitely, it's definitely an interesting, you know, you know, market that we're all in. And I'm excited where, where this is going.
0: What other advice would you give companies on hiring the right talent?
1: It definitely goes way beyond some of the mission statements or the, you know, the big words that are put on on the walls of the offices or on the about us section of your website. Um, it's, it, you know, everyone says, oh, we just, we only hire people that uh, cultural fit or personality fit. You hear that everywhere, but at, uh, at the end of the day, when I think about this, I it's I ask myself a question: about what what does that really mean? Because do you even have a very clear understanding of what the, your culture is all about? So just recognizing that as well, so that you you're being fully transparent and honest with with some of the candidates that you're trying to attract, and also realizing that you know some of them are not going to be with you forever and just being able to identify what really drives them what are they super passionate about where they want to be and trying to align those interests those passions with the you know the gaps that you have currently on your teams and see if it's a great match and see if it's something that you know they can potentially you know enjoy doing while while they building up towards something that they really want to to do i think those uh you know it's it's rare uh it's but there there definitely are opportunities like that and for leaders to be able to understand that and have those honest conversations but also at the same time provide those candidates with opportunities to interview them as well so that is just not a one-sided conversation but at the same time it's you know an opportunity for them to evaluate is this the type of leader under whom I can succeed or is this the type of environment that definitely will create opportunities for me as I give my all and most of my time out of the day to to help them those are some of the things that i really, you know that really stands out when it comes to seeing the companies that are very successful attracting and retaining top talent versus those that are just you know use some additional perks and benefits to to uh, to do that
0: You've got me thinking, and this may be very obvious, but so it used to be that the the people with leverage were the companies. I say, hey, we've got all these benefits, we've got the money, we've got the job, we've got the salary. Candidates line up, and we'll pick. Yep. It seems like it's starting to flip that the talent now has the leverage. Like, well, what do you got for me?
1: Yep. Yep, one thousand so, percent.
0: So, if that's the case. What are people that are looking for jobs or looking to change their job? What are they looking for most in a company?
1: A lot of the job seekers these days, they also look for for the types of leaders or the types of engagements or the types of roles that really will help them get to that next level where they, they want to be. Those are the type of candidates that are very confident in their ab- abilities. They had proven themselves in past engagements. But for them to take on that next opportunity, they know that they can do the job. But at the end of the day, they, they look for, is this the type of leader or manager that can really help me get to that next level where I want to be? Or can they help me build that network? Or can they help me, you know, acquire a certain skill set? Um, are they the type of person? Have, do they have a proven track record that have helped others to succeed? So I see a lot of that, you know, Flexibility and all of that great stuff, remote work that goes without saying, Um, but some of the deeper characteristics, uh, you know, things that really matter. That's what I would highlight in, in some of the candidates that I just, you know, the rock stars of their trade. That's, that's what I see them value the most.
0: (laughs) You kind of had a throwaway comment there, like remote and flexible. That's obvious. I don't know if that's obvious, John. Like it's obvious to me. It's obviously obvious. It's it's obvious to you. I don't know how obvious it it actually
1: is. (laughs) You're right. You're right. You 1000% just nailed that. Uh, It's an assumption that absolutely, is up, you know, you correct that. It's definitely not obvious, maybe obvious in just my little bubble that I live in, but for companies and hiring managers to recognize that, that some of the things that are quote unquote, should be obvious in, in the current situations, current conditions. Um, just being able to look back into, you know, not necessarily in, in the mirror, but how the organization operates. I think those are the things that, that really matter.
0: Yeah. It gets me thinking about a story I heard pretty recently about a guy who rock star of his field and he was being interviewed by a company and he said, Hey, before we go any further, I just want to set the expectation that I'm only going to work 20 hours a week and I expect to be paid. I think it was, I don't know, whatever the story was, $200,000. And so if you're not willing to do that, then let's just part ways now. So this just gets to the talent is like driving or trying to drive so much of this. And at some point, I, I don't know what's going to happen, but I guarantee that guy's going to get a. If it's not with that company, he's going to get a job somewhere someone's mm-hmm. going to appreciate his work if he's really that good. And they're going to be willing to pay him that much money and be okay with him working 20 hours a week. It's just the dynamic is
1: completely different these days. Yep. Yep, 100%. It, it, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's here to stay. It is here to stay and it's here to grow. So it's it's important to, to realize, to understand and try to uh, capitalize on that
0: what else are companies not thinking about but they should be thinking about when it comes to hiring
1: the candidate onboarding experience it's it's also a very challenging area to master especially you know it's it's challenging to begin with but when you add another layer of complexity of onboarding somebody virtually or in a hybrid environment that's that's another beast and just the first experience those first few weeks first few days are you know they're critical uh, for for any any worker of a, any level um, within the organization. So I, I think companies definitely should not overlook that and invest into building that infrastructure to to create those opportunities for the new hires from the very beginning and set them up for success uh, from from day one and even prior to that. That's that's an overlooked area. That's it. definitely I see a lot of opportunity for improvement there. Um, so, you know, there's just, you know, as myself, I, I've been in, you know, in situations where just that initial experience ha- haven't been as as, you know, as exceptional as you would want it to be. And it just leaves that sour taste, you know, always in in, in you uh, that perhaps an organization is not quite valuing you from, you know, from the very beginning. So those are just little things that that matter that could definitely accumulate.
0: You mentioned hybrid teams and the importance of that. How would you define what a hybrid team is?
1: It's an organization that employs workforce in both in physical locations at their offices and in fully virtual environments. So where you have one team co-located and the other, you know, part of the team is, fully dispersed on a global scale. So as, you know, as a manager, that's even more complicated to, to lead that, to lead that environment, uh, where you have the luxury and opportunity to interact face-to-face with certain team members while others are in complete, you know, fully virtual.
0: What should companies do to make that facilitation between physical and virtual? So those hybrid teams possible?
1: Some of the things that boil down to basics such as trust, that the reason you hire exceptional people is because they're good at what they do and there's no need to to continuously check in on them or have that ongoing need to just to talk to them for the sake of talking just to check just
0: being a a helicopter parent
1: yeah exactly exactly and it's you know sometimes that happens sometimes you we all you know we all humans that we 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 experience that but as a leader within the group leader within the organization or department i think that's important to recognize that you know you got to trust the people that you've attracted to your teams you invested so much getting them on your on your roster and now you just got to let them do what they do best just like, you know, with, with, you know, analogy on uh, on, you know, on on sports teams where you recruit and you get people, you know, players onto your team and they play specific positions, play, you know, specific role. And for you to continuously try to try to monitor that and micromanage, I think that's, that's an area to, to recognize, which will help build that trust, build that success, you know, that healthy relationship on the team that's, not co-located, that you have folks all over the world, maybe in different time zones where it's day here and it's night over there and just, you know, be, being very transparent and also what, you know, you've mentioned earlier, just being very vulnerable from a perspective that, hey, look, I also don't know everything and maybe it's something that you can teach me. So building some of those relationships, I think they matter from the very beginning and those are just some of the underlying ingredients for a healthy team.
0: Yeah, John, a theme that you've got going on when we talk about hybrid teams and we've talked about hiring processes, it all comes down to transparency. It sounds like the more transparent that you are throughout the hiring process, throughout the onboarding process, and then throughout the working environment, the better off you're going to be and the the more likely you're going to retain talent.
1: 100%, you know, as that saying goes, you know, if if you tell the truth, you never have to remember what you said. And it yeah. kind of boils down to that here, where just just be very open about just everything, and it's just something you know something that I subscribe to. I operate like that. At least I aim to operate like that in in all spectrums of life, and it just it just helps you mentally, helps you just overall uh, build healthy relationships. And I think you know that those things matter.
0: Yeah, being transparent is probably, especially at the beginning of the transparency journey, I'll call it, is you're going to be a bit uncomfortable, but this gets back to your growth mindset of you got to be comfortable with being uncomfortable and being transparent is going to be hard, especially if you have decades of, of operating in a certain way as a company. And then you're shifting to this new way of, you know, trying to attract talent that wants to be flexible, that wants to remote, you know, work remotely or only go in the office once or twice a month whatever it may be, you just got to be okay being uncomfortable. The last thing I want to touch on John with you is you got me thinking about this like hybrid team, a lot of remote workers, more remote workers. People are starting to understand the value of it. They're starting to, you know, try to live in places, homes or apartments or places where they can work remotely effectively. And it, the proliferation will continue. So as a guy that understands the the hiring stuff, the hybrid teams and has been working in that realm for a long time and someone who looks at things from a real estate standpoint. I'm curious, what do you think is going to happen to all these commercial buildings?
1: It's interesting, right? Because we also see in the news that, you know, all these major, at least tech companies investing heavily into that commercial real estate and just leasing space, buying up, and just you know, buildings left and right. And to me, it's an indicator that you know they've done their research. They know that something is coming. Although, from the regular lens, you think about it, it's like it's it's super risky. Where you know companies are not in the offices, companies are not in physical locations, and nobody's leasing offices. And people, if anything, you know all these commercial leases are being you know terminated. Uh, so it's it's an interesting dynamic to observe. But at the same time, as you know, both you and I as investors. Uh, we always try to look at different trends in the market and identify opportunities where, you know, when market shifts towards something, that maybe it's an opportunity for an actual acquisition. So commercial space has been super interesting to me that I've been I've been studying a lot, but I I you know I don't have a very clear response at least for myself at this juncture as well but it's definitely very interesting to me as well and I, I like that you you asked that from that perspective you have any any specific thoughts around that yourself
0: so the the residential stuff for me is super easy because people always need a place to live yeah yep yep I mean that's that's pretty easy um the commercial thing is interesting because you're spot on like I mean I'll get I live in Raleigh North Carolina and we've got tech companies Apple included Left and right, saying, "Hey, we're coming to this area, and we're going to build these huge spaces, headquarters, and big distribution places, and and commercial buildings, and just you know, housing thousands of employees." And the whole time, I'm sitting there thinking, like, everyone in my bubble. I love how you use bubble earlier because it's it's a bubble for a reason because you don't see everything. But from my bubble, I don't see many people that want to be in an office every day. Not that some do, but like less and less every day because they, they see the benefits of flexibility. But then I started thinking about, you know, all that I've read about just the history of humankind and how people seek communities. They seek to be around people. It's just a natural human homo sapien thing that we do. And so maybe this research that you're talking that, you you know, you got to kind of trust that the apples and Amazons and Googles. Facebooks, et cetera, of the world understand these trends. Understand how humans really work, and in the long run, that they're going to seek out these communal spaces to be together, to work together, to you know develop trust and camaraderie. It's just, uh, yeah, it's interesting. I so I don't I don't have a good answer either. It's it's not a space I want to invest in yet because I just I don't believe the the trend mm-hmm. um, that, that that many people want to go back into the office. But obviously something is happening
1: yeah yeah for sure well it's an opportunity for uh for part two of this
0: there you go yeah we'll do some more research uh you you wake up at 5 30 and do a bunch <laughs> of research uh, <laughs> over a couple week period and you'll you'll be uh you'll come at us with some real stats and some real thoughts on that yes sir that's awesome well john dude i really appreciate you spending time we talked about a lot of different things over this time um I know you've got your podcast, you got my base pay like where can the listeners learn more?
1: LinkedIn, um I'm on it. I have I have a tab for LinkedIn open all the time. <laughs> I, I don't close it. A lot of my interactions, a lot of my just news come out of, you know, just LinkedIn feed and I initially I've invested some time into figuring out how just the overall news feed works there and just that 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 helped a lot to create that, you know, that steady feed of, you know, the folks that I want to keep track of, folks that I want to learn from. So I'm on it all the time. And then obviously, like you've mentioned, you know, the Ivy podcast that's something, you know, we put out, crank out episodes, you know, two to three times a week. So there's a lot of content that we produce in the sense from, from conversations just like this.
0: Perfect. Well, I'll make sure to link all of those things. John, just really appreciate you taking the time we've built with John. So John, thanks for being on. It's awesome. Thanks so much, Clay. I really appreciate the opportunity. Hey, listener, it's Clay. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Build With Clay podcast. I encourage you to subscribe wherever you listen so you can discover all the episodes and hear from others about their growth journey. If you know me at all, you know that I love feedback. So please rate the episode and provide your comments so I can grow and be better for you and our guests. For more content, you can find Build With Clay on Instagram at buildwithclay and head to claydavis.substack.com where you can sign up for a bi-weekly newsletter sent directly to your inbox. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you're inspired to grow.